0: Welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Brianna Osborne, and this is Inside Exec. We're continuing our discussion with Nancy Giordano. This is part three, and this time we're going to take a little glimpse into Nancy's future, or how she sees the future, we're going to look at emerging leaders. Go back to the idea that the next lot of leaders are coming through are faster at consuming information, making those judgment calls, all those sorts of things. What excites you about that emerging leader group? Well, if you're
1: talking about it, so there's those who are currently in roles now that you want to call leadership roles. So I talk a lot about the book. It's really about how visionary leaders play bigger. It tells tons and tons of stories and gives lots and lots of examples of people who are currently in business who are taking the higher road. And are making really phenomenal business decisions that we could all be proud of, but also meeting the bottom line. Like these two things are not in any way across purposes to one another. And frankly, the more you take care of people or argue, the better your profitability is. You know, the more you're able to think about these technologies in a very responsible way, the the faster your company will grow. More people will want to work with you. That's part of it. You'll attract the right talent, you'll be able to attract the investors, you'll be able to attract the customers. Like this is what the how the game will be played moving forward, right? Trust will be a really, really key part of it. So I think there's current leaders that I'm are excited about that, I think can be really good and encouraging role models and across startup companies as well as ones that have been around for 800 years, right? Mm-hmm. But ones that are teeny tiny versus ones that are giant postal services, like in Norway, you know, Norway Post was considered the most innovative com- uh, organization inside the entire country, like in the United States, that seems implausible. So, there's no excuse really that anybody can do this. But I think that when you see younger people emerging, what you're seeing is actually a much more care for the system, right? Mm-hmm. They care much more about the planet. This is actually the biggest existential threat in their lifetime is climate stability. They care more for each other and about fairness and about building systems that are less biased. I think they will hopefully use these technologies way. Although I've also met plenty of people in their young twenties who see the system now and are really worried. They're like, we're trying to hack the brain like a technology and not realizing yeah. that it's actually you know, a part of our, our social system. Uh, yeah. It's not something that's just a technology to be hacked. And so they can actually see some of the dangers and hopefully They don't feel empowered yet to address them, but at least I love that they're more sensitive to it and that they can actually see that that's not okay at such a young age. I'm very, very encouraged by it. And so my message actually to young people is that the future actually can be extraordinary. We all have a place in it. They're not going to be left out of it and that their voice really, really matters. You know, 52% of the world's population is under 30. I think it's 42% of the population of the world is under 25. That's a pretty significant group of people. They're going to make some really big decisions and we don't want them to do it out of fear and trauma. We want them to do it out of confidence and a desire to build a better next for all of us. So that that message for that group of people is really, really important that they're safe.
0: Have you thought about which ways can we put that in the media? You know, as you said, the media is sort of guilty of, in over generations of the negative, the repetition of the negative and the bad mood sort of the examples. We need to have a lot more like people like you to speak on television to get into the media where that can be just part of good news stories or just just um, even at the news time. we really really need that. Any thoughts about how you can get into there?
1: Well, I think part of it is recognizing which media are these you know, young people using. So I think the you know, the question is who are we trying to go for? Like I have a 24-year-old son who spends all his time on Reddit. He hasn't tuned into no. a, a newspaper, magazine, or you know <laughs> anything that's not in that world. You know, Twitch, whatever his worlds are, he gets his yeah. news very fast. He actually it's interesting. We travel together a lot. When we do, he has almost like this information layer that comes on over wherever it is that we are. He just completely like sort of is all. I don't know how to explain it. He's like he's multitasking with like whatever's happening in the world of Reddit with whatever's yeah. happening in the real world that we're in and when we end up with you know augmented reality hardware of some sort Mm -hmm. or another it's gonna be really fascinating to see how they integrate this kind of information so quickly and how they process what is valuable to them or not about a product about an experience about a service so i do think that part of what makes reddit so attractive is that they're not listening to a pundit they're listening to each other Right. right and one of the really interesting things is when you ask a young person about how to learn something they go to youtube and they mm-hmm. learn it from their peers, yeah. or they learn it from someone who's even younger than they are. They are not looking at the older person as the authority in any yeah. way and anymore, which I think is actually oh. quite extraordinary. And doesn't mean uh, that they don't, you know, respect older people, but no. it's not like where they're going to to learn something new. So I do think that that's encouraging. I, I was interesting again in the United States, one of our most provocative senators went into like the gaming world and would spend mm-hmm. time, like again, on Twitch or in various kinds of communities, talking to young people and reaching them in that way. So I think being more sensitive to where they are is thoughtful. You know, for me, I I started again, the Femme Futurist Society, just when COVID hit to be able to get more women's voices into the conversation. I was so frustrated that when we talk about the future, we uh, we always laud the work of men. We quote Mm -hmm. the innovativeness of men. We tell Mm -hmm. stories of history of men and all of these are areas where plenty of women have thrived and had huge contributions. And where Mm -hmm. we need to actually also ensure that women are funded for some of their ideas, because otherwise the productivity is going to continue to be generated by a very, very small group of white men. And we really need to, me more diverse than that. And as we've had these interviews, I think, oh my gosh, podcasts become an interesting you know, way to do this. Yes. I would love to have a Netflix special where you get to hear these 10, like 10 of the 25 women that we've interviewed. If you just listened to what they had to say, you'd all feel better. Yeah. It's an amazing group of women who are out there who are building the future with heart, with creativity, with ingenuity, with a real understanding of how these technologies work and the role that they play yeah. in everything from governance to organizational structure to education. I'm very inspired. By those, and so that's why I think I, I carry as much hope. I get to build with, the, be with the people who are building the future um, all day long, and I and I make that a priority in my life. And so, how do we get to your point? They're thinking more. I always want to build a conference, like move on from TED and create the Build a Better Next conference. We get to see the stories of people who are actually doing it. Yes. So I'm with you. I, I don't I don't know, but I appreciate even having this opportunity to talk to you all because I feel like that just becomes a place for, you know um, a little bit more of this the good virus. That's probably not a word we can use anymore, but get shared and transferred. I think it's funny, a little bit of optimism goes a long way. Yes. People just need something where they feel as, oh, wait a second, it's not all destruction. And back to what we said before, yeah. breakdowns create breakthroughs for the people who are able to see that potential, mm-hmm. right? Breakdowns just become scary for the people who don't see that it's possible to thrive after that. And so we just need to build that capacity for people. It's not one we've had to learn much before. And so we're building it.
0: That's great. I'm very encouraged. Yay. <laughs> it
1: makes me feel better. And it's fun for me to have these conversations too, because I, you know, yeah. I live in it, but I forget to talk about it sometimes. And so I get revved up by it too. So thank you for mm. the time and being able to, 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 to dive into it. I mean, there's a lot, right? There's a yeah. lot that we need to sink into. But even when you just start with just a little bit of curiosity here, it starts yeah. to naturally grow in whatever direction it's supposed to. And trusting yeah. that is exactly where you're supposed to be. I think is critical.
0: Can we just uh, as a, a final discussion talk a little bit about the future in inverted commas we are going to have a population that is aging and around for much longer significantly longer than I believe at this point in time um,
1: I intend to be I keep telling my children I'll be around <laughs> at <least> 125 minimum
0: <laughs> are, we to, are we supposed to pick an age and then aim for that you know isn't that the I mean, exactly life? exactly it's definitely so <laughs> and I
1: usually do actually up mine by five years every time I say it so maybe I should say 130 there yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I had this conversation at the weekend with with the other person here and he's, he's made a decision about, you know, that there was a calculation of what the, the age was, it's 200 or something. And I just looked at him and said, I just don't think about it. I'm just going to be here. You know,
1: there's no <laughs> point. I, well, and that's actually really interesting. We did a, a study on um, the future of health for a client and we really looked at it from health and wellness to optimization, to augmentation, to something in between, I forgot what it was. And then it was, you know, um, immortality. What does immortality look like at some point if I can download my consciousness or if I can take all the conversations that have now been recorded and I can create a digital avatar of you and still sort of have you in my life, which this person named Richard Boyd has done and will continue more and more will continue to do. And at some point is there weirdly, and this sounds so morbid, but like just a kill switch where you go, you know, I've had enough, you got enough of me to- to continue you know you'll still get my good advice for years to come uh i don't know what that will all look like and that's the kind of stuff that'd be fun to explore in another book just when you take this stuff really far out mm. what does that look like uh yeah. but kim is there another question you had about how we deal with the interim in between how do we deal with the population of this many people on the planet that are yeah. aging is that where we're going <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> how do you maintain that knowledge base and continue to share that knowledge base when the parameters of how it is shared change so quickly
1: Mm, That's actually a really interesting question. So when I was working for an artificial intelligence company years ago, one of the key assignments was how to try and download all this information that an expert would have gotten, let's say on an oil rig over Mm -hmm. just the course of having done it for 40 years, right? There's just an intuition that they know that somehow that sound doesn't sound right or that pipe doesn't feel right or these things Mm -hmm. together somehow like like how do you codify that and put it into mm-hmm. some place where other people would have uh, access to that knowledge because more and more people were retiring and aging out of those professions. So I think we are trying to figure out how technology can be a part of that. I think we're going to see actually in the management world, is a lot more networks and we've seen them being built where there's a Again, this goes back to your craftsmanship idea, but I have an area of expertise across any age range or any kind of whatever. And I would make it visible to people so that they can tap into it when they want to. More and more organizations are trying to figure out how inside their organizations they can tap into that. And I think externally, we're going to find ways in which we can find inside the world, who is a person who knows this that we need for that and or structure things so that people can be parts of citizen science and and different kinds of innovation challenges where it's not just because you're inside an organization and given this role that you're allowed to share that kind of expertise. Mm -hmm. But there'll be much more open sourced ways in which people will be able to contribute that over a long period of time. So I do think those combinations of systems and technologies and encouraging and incentivizing people to, to still be part of those conversations.
0: What occurs to me just in that, because it's, it's close to what I do these days, is do you see that transferring into the not-for-profit and the recreational organizations?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the big questions has always come up around these technologies is that, you know, the first companies to, to jump on them are actually first pornography um, and then second finance, right? Because they want to be able to figure out how to do what they do. And then it becomes the, the territory of a very small group of people who just know how to make more money from it. And the question is, how do you make uh, things like artificial intelligence, more available to, to schools, to healthcare, professional social work, to, you know, some to really solve the big problems that we are going to solve for. So the good news is that more people are thinking about that. PwC is an interesting example because they're very focused on upskilling. They've committed several billion dollars to it, but not just for their own employees and not just for their clients but for civil servants and anyone that's in the public sector who wants to make sure that they also have access to this kind of learning and training. And so we're going to recognize we're all stronger when everyone has mm-hmm. some basic literacy around that and then basically enable to contribute. I think what's also interesting you're seeing now Uh, There's a stat I read this morning that Microsoft predicts that there will be 500 million applications, apps, that get created in the next five years, which is like infinitely more than the last 40 years. Mm -hmm. And the only way that's possible is because the technology is becoming so much easier to work with that we don't Mm -hmm. need to have that sort of extreme expertise anymore. Low-code, no-code software, which is a little bit more kind of putting things together like Legos, it allows everyone to be innovative and have an idea and be able to then contribute that idea. So I think that there's all kinds of ways in which we'll be able to, Mm -hmm. to scale up our capacities. And make this more and more accessible to people across the spectrum of whatever industry they're in or education level they have or parts of the world that they're in. I think that's another big part of it. How do we make sure it doesn't just all stay in sort of industrialized nations, if you will, and ensure that this gets shared more with the majority world? There are, again, solutions that are bringing, make just make it easier and more affordable.
0: I think we probably covered all of the things that we, we thought we were going to and then some. (laughs) <laughs> is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with Nancy that we missed in the time that we've been
1: talking no but I do think that having narratives that we walk away from these conversations with right so it's not just a whole bunch of information that we got but what did we really like I always encourage my children okay what did you just hear like what is the summation of what it is that you are now encoding into your brain and so and into your uh, you know, your soul your understanding of how the world works. And so I guess my message, I hope that people take away from this is this isn't a really extraordinary time. It is going to shift exponentially, but there are ways to be very well prepared for it. And that if we can bring the right intentionality to it and, and build the right ecosystem, not the right, but, it, it, you know, it, spend the time investigating and cultivating the ecosystems of support, we will have just the most extraordinary opportunity to build the world that we want to see. And I invite everyone to be part of that thinking in that way of of building. I can't, again, express how exciting I think it is to be in this world where all these technologies and all these systems are going to work in coordination together to shift and change a whole bunch of things that we should have addressed a long time ago that we didn't know how. Complexity is our friend.
0: I can tell you it must be part of your persona because whether people see you or whether they just hear you, they will... Feel that excitement! Yeah. <laughs> that, yes. that have Been with us today.
1: Good. Well, because I get, I think it's really important that we believe that. If we believe that, we will build that, right? And if we don't believe that, we will cower, and a lot of potential will be squandered. And I think that would be such a shame. So let's not do that. Let's mm-hmm. all get out there and
0: no, uh, play our part. You so much for your time and your expertise and sharing all of that with us. We will put the links so that people can get the book and they can read all of the other chapters that we haven't been able to cover today. <laughs>
1: We actually have a website that also, if you just go there and play around on that, there's some videos and things that make it. So at least you can dive in, even if you don't have time to read the whole thing, but just get familiar with the thinking and be surrounded by people who are as inspiring, if not more so around these conversations.
0: That was wonderful. I really, really enjoyed this. Thank you from me as well for the interview. Thank you so much. We will leave our conversation there with Nancy. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Juliana Osborne. We've been talking with Nancy Giordano. Well, we've been listening to Nancy and and texting every now and then, but we've had a wonderful time with Nancy, so we thank her very much. And this is Inside Exec.